0: Good morning, good morning. Today, we are going to continue our discussion on the journey of the soul in its transition from the body at the moment of death. Last week, if you remember, we spoke about the sale. Now, interestingly enough, I got a lot of comments I think people thought it was sail, like the soul is sailing, which is interesting, because it is an, an interesting uh, uh, process to think about, like the sailing of the soul. But it's actually sail, which has nothing to do with sailing. But I thought it was fascinating that some, some people had mentioned that. Tonight, I want to talk about, or today, this morning, I want to talk about what we're going to call Nehura. N-E-H, you are a Nehura, which literally means a pillar of fire. According to Kabbalah, death occurs when there's a physical meltdown of the body and the Naran. Naran in Kabbalah stands for Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama, it's the lower three levels of the soul. If you don't remember this, we did a whole deep dive on the five levels of the soul. And so the lower three levels of the soul are Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. So when there's a physical meltdown of the body and the three lower levels of the soul, when they dissipate, that is when what we call death occurs. Discussions or discussing the soul's exit from the body. There was a 10th century sage, his name was Rabbi Sadia Goen, and he explains that we're not able to visibly observe the soul ascending from the body because of the soul's air-like transparency. And he says that air-like transparency of the soul is similar to, to the heavenly spheres above. Although, I'll say that according to Rab the soul is actually a kind of physical substance, though it's undetectable. But he does say there's a physical element to the soul. The, 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 the Kabbalists, the mystics, they explain that the soul is a kind of substance that is itself insubstantial so to capture this paradox though often use this idea maybe a little poetic in its way because it's essentially just just a metaphor of the image of the soul being a spark of the infinite light i will say that there have been reports throughout the generations of people actually seeing something that appears to be a pillar of fire rising from the body at the moment of death. The Talmud in the tractate subot talks about this term, the term for this light, and calls it Nahorah. Nahorah literally meaning, or Nahura meaning, pillar of fire. This sighting is not necessarily optical in nature, but it's observed with the third eye. Basically, it's detected by a higher sense. In the 16th century, following the expulsion of Jews from Spain in the year 1492, The holy city of Tzvat, of Safed, under the rule of the Ottoman Empire, found itself to be an oasis of spirituality. It was like a hub for mystics, for poets, for philosophers, for the codifiers of Jewish law. One of the great luminaries of that period was the Ramak, Rabbi Moshe Kodovero. And in the year 1570, as the Ramak, was about to pass on into the next world, he gathered his close disciples and he told them that they're going to notice a pillar of fire emanating from his casket. And if someone notices that, they should be the next mentor. During the funeral procession, a bystander who was relatively unknown, his name was Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, he noticed a column of light, and he directed them to the place where the ramak was supposed to be buried in Tzvat. Right afterwards, it wasn't a pillar of fire, but rather a pillar of light. And right afterwards, he later became known to the students of the Ramak as the Arizal. And they asked him to be their new teacher and master. And the Arizal was one of the greatest Kabbalists of, of late, even though you're talking about almost 500 years ago, he was one of the greatest Kabbalists. And a lot of the writings of Kabbalah today That we study are based on this Rabbi Isaac Luria Darizal. Sightings such as these have been reported throughout the ages. There are so many cultures that talk about the light, that talk about the fire. There are so many witnesses that attest to seeing luminous rays or, or light surrounding bodies after their death. There are actually There are scientists who suggest that, quote-unquote, the light from the body is a physical phenomenon and not necessarily a spiritual one. And that is why it's observable with the naked, though trained eye. In 1908, there was a French physician who distributed pictures that he snapped of an apparent haze rising from a lifeless corpse. And while I would say it piqued great interest, neither he nor anybody else were ever able to retake such photographs of a new phenomenon. There's a lot of things that people say about it. You can look it up online. But what happened right after he disseminated these pictures is these pictures were dismissed either because... They were the result of a mechanical error or the camera picked up the shadow of something. That's what people said. I think other people speculated that a more scientific interpretation would be that various gases of decay, for example, um, some kind of hydrogen, which can be which can look like it's 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 lighting up, especially during the warmer parts of the year. So maybe it was this luminescent gas that the, the image or the photo was capturing. Yet, from traditional Kabbalistic sources, it seems that the Nahura, the pillar of fire, is a spiritual phenomenon and not a physical fire that could be captured in a photo. So that's just, I wanted to focus on that little thought, that little idea. Uh, any questions about it? Yes, please join.
1: Um, does Nehru only um, refer to a pillar of fire that's leaving the body, or is it just Daniel? Any just pillar of fire, just as a? Oh, it, it, it's, it's specific?
0: it's it's referred to. as the pillar of fire that's leaving the body. Okay, so it's very specific. Very specific. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. That was my thank you.
0: Now. I want to delve into the first three, and then seven, and then 30 days after death. We're going to get into some of the specifics. I've collected lots of different sources. And so I want to see if we can do a a bit of a deep dive and give you, again, this is never going to be a complete picture because we don't have a complete picture. It's just an inkling of the Kabbalistic and Jewish tradition. With regards to these very, very precious, very, very difficult moments and very beautiful moments in certain ways of the soul leaving the body. At the moment of death, the Naran, the Nefesh, the Ruach, and the Neshama, which are the lower three levels of the soul, they rise upwards. Whereas the body, continues to linger on. It's only much later that the physical properties of the body rearrange themselves and merge with the elements of the earth. The dimensions of the soul that depart at death are the animating aspects of the soul. What remains after death are the sustaining aspects of the soul. The animating aspects of the soul are removed. What remains are the sustaining aspects of the soul. The nefesh is subdivided into two parts. What is called the nefesh hamechaya, nefesh n e f e s h nefesh hamechaya, which is h a m e c h a y a. That is called the vitalizing energy, Nefesh hamichaya, the vitalizing energy, and Nefesh HaMekayim. Nefesh, you know already, HaMekayim is a H A M E K A Y E M, which is the sustaining energy. So there's the vitalizing energy, and there's the sustaining energy. The vitalizing energy leaves the body at death, and the sustaining energy temporarily is still vested within the body. If you remember, we spoke about the idea of a cord as a metaphor for the soul. In its highest reaches, the soul is part of the all. It's, it's one with the ein Sof. Ein Sof is Kabbalistic's way of referring to God. It means has no end, endless. The reason why Kabbalah refers to God as endless is because everything we know is defined by time and space. So the only way that we can refer to something beyond time and space, beyond our pay grade, beyond our ability, is Ein Sof is endless. So in its highest reaches, the soul is part of Ein It's part of the endless God. And it extends downward to animate, to sustain corporeal existence. Once that cord is severed, think about cutting the umbilical cord. I think it's a, that's a great metaphor. Once that cord is cut, the energy flow is cut off so to speak it's interesting how we can make this parallel with birth and death they're very similar in a lot of ways the higher dimensions going talking about the the cutting of the umbilical cord of death the higher dimensions of the soul ascend upwards and the power of the sustaining soul slowly diminishes now, the nefesh Hamakayam, the sustaining soul, the sustaining energy, can only rely or relay energy below to the body as much as it's fed from a higher source. Nefesh is a transmitter of energy. It's not an originator of energy. It doesn't create the energy. It's just the conduit. It just transmits the energy. And in time, the energy diffuses and becomes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And the body as a result slowly begins to disintegrate and fall apart. I think a helpful example would be to pull a plug of a lamp out of its socket. And if you think about it for a few, for the first few moments, the light shines. And then slowly it dims and finally fades, even though it's not plugged in anymore. Well, think about that in a bit of a slower capacity. Now the soul. Oh, the soul. The soul having been housed in a body for an extended duration of time, the soul becomes very comfortable in its home. It becomes very comfortable in the body. And so when it needs to leave, meaning during the process and the moments of death, a a longing to remain in close proximity to the body takes over the soul. So for the first three days after the severance of body and soul, the soul consciousness lingers. It lingers on next to or right around the body. The soul hovers above its body, hoping to return to it. When after three days, the soul notices the disconfiguring face and how the body is beginning to decompose. And the soul starts to rise from the presence of the body. Mirroring the soul's own grievances, Jewish law imbues the first three days of mourning with particular significance. This period has its own set of laws and its own set of distinct customs because of this. These are known in Jewish law as the three days of weeping. These first three days constitute the initial period of mourning and they serve as what Jewish law calls a double consolation, comforting the soul that has left the world and at the same time consoling the bereaved who are left behind. Okay. Slowly weaning itself from its dependency on the body, the soul begins to move about to, to move about more freely. Although the movement is somewhat restricted, it primarily around revolves around the family and familiar locations. So the soul will go around. Often we say that for the first uh, seven days after death, the soul wanders about to and fro, roaming back and forth in the house that it lived in, to the grave and then from the grave to the house. And so that's why often we will put the Shiva in the home, if it's possible, that the deceased had lived in, because it gives a certain sense of comfort for the soul to roam around from the grave to its home and see that there are people there comforting it. Now, reflecting this process, is the dedicated time frame of the seven days of Shiva. The seven days of Shiva are a time to offer comfort, consolation, and healing, both for the soul that has passed and for, of course, for the the grief-stricken mourners. And it's so important to think about this at a Shiva, that the soul of that person who has passed is there with you there. Now, it's very comforting for the mourners, but it's very, very, very important to remember how we speak and what we say, both in front of the body and then for the seven days afterwards during Shiva, because the soul is there and the deceased can hear everything that is said. I think this consolation given through these various practices of Shiva, it's a very beautiful thing. And we can get into the Shiva maybe um, at, a, at a future time, but I will say that the general understanding of Shiva is that it is a time in which the com- to comfort the living. But I think it's even more than that. During the Shiva period, The soul may feel a deep regret. The soul may feel a lack of fulfillment, which causes it to cling to its earthly form and it's unwilling to let go. And when the mourners and those who come to comfort them speak of the person who passed away, of their accomplishments, of their good deeds, They are feeding these words to the soul itself. They're allowing the deceased to accept that their earthly task was completed. And it gives permission for the soul to feel free to rise and go back to its home. There's also a period that is 30 days following the passing. It's called the Shaloshim. Shaloshim just means 30 in Hebrew. And it's the next timetable for the morning after the seven. It has its own set of laws, its own particular customs. And basically, from our perspective, from our discussion, it gradually becomes more acclimated to spiritual reality at 30 days. And the soul starts to loosen its ties with the trivial trivial elements of the physicality. But for the first 30 days, the soul is still found roaming around the more earthly realms of existence. And again, it's only ascending slowly and progressively. Now, the final stage of the mourning process is the conclusion of the first year. It's called the Yahrzeit in Yiddish or the Hilula in Hebrew the end of the first year, and during the duration of the first year, the soul ascends and descends, it rises and returns, and once the year is completed, the body by now has generally dissipated, and the soul rises much more easily. After the year, the soul feels free to soar upward without being pulled down. And the soul ascends without that nagging need to descend that it had during the first year. And as the body decays, rearranging itself into new forms, into new elements, the soul goes through its own transformation. And it reassumes its original form and it rises higher and deeper. And even the following following that, or following that cycle of the first year, the soul retains a degree of awareness, and it's very much connected with the people it loved, with the people it cared for. And the soul increasingly releases its bonds with the insubstantial qualities of this universe like the car it drove, like the job it had. It takes a while, but eventually the soul no longer misses the things that it had. But the soul never loses its connection with its loved ones. The Zohar explains that this kind of awareness of happenings in the physical realm is retained through the nefesh. That remains with the body. And we've talked about this before. But the small part of the soul actually stays connected always in the grave. Via what is called the loose bone. The loose bone There's a debate as to where it actually physically is. But most opinions say it is the back of the neck. The bone that connects the neck to the vertebrae. To the, to the spine. That top of the spine. That is called the loose bone. And through this loose bone, the soul is able in the higher realms of existence to observe and become aware of what's occurring in the lower realms. That it never, ever completely rises. It still has a connection in this realm. And according to our tradition, the loose bone can never be destroyed. It's, it's the part of the body that can never be destroyed. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but the nature of this whole discussion is quite graphic, but um, after the concentration camps when they liberated, there's some uh, some first-hand accounts of finding many many loose bones and burying those loose bones. You can you can read uh, you can go online and, and, and you'll see that there are many many firsthand accounts. Of of this Lisbon. Generally speaking, after a person passes on and sheds their physical form, the soul continues to be quite conscious of the people and the universe that it's left behind. But as time goes on, following the cycle of three days and then of seven days and then thirty days and then a year and and further and further, slowly, slowly, the soul ceases to hang around this dimension. It removes itself from this dimension. And in time, the people who knew and loved that soul begin to pass from this world. And the world continues to change, as it always does. And the departed soul becomes less and less focused or connected with this world. And once souls are reunited with their loved ones above, Even the positive qualities of this universe capture less of their attention. And as consciousness progressively abandons the mode of grasping experiences that are characteristic of this world, it's fully adjusted within the non-dimensional reality. And it just begins naturally to lose interest in the physical world. What I will say, though, is that although it's not a prevailing opinion, there are traditional sources that suggest that a site, a hilah, a memorial for a person's passing, which is observed through the saying of Kaddish, the studying of Torah and lighting a, a candle, does not need to be observed by the living relatives after a period of 50 years. It's not, it's not done. We still do it. It's not necessarily something that is... But there is an opinion that says this. And the explanation of this opinion is that by this point, the soul has attained a secure place. And it doesn't need any more assistance from below. So this is the only source that I know for like when... If someone asks me, when does the soul completely disconnect from this world? This is... It's not a prevalent opinion but there's an opinion that at 50 years after it's passing. But ultimately, everyone agrees that after a long period of time, we're not required to observe the yard site. For example, you don't have to observe the yard site of a great-great-grandmother. Just as an example. The argument in this case, is only about how long after a family member's passing must the yard be continued to be observed. And this is an argument, and whatever you do is correct. That's my answer. But in our conversation, in due time, souls that were once embodied become entirely accustomed to purely spiritual levels of existence And although they will never relinquish their individuality, they will become, I would say, disinterested with the world and with people that are unknown to them. Even so, they forever have the potential to, once again, if they want to, reconnect with this world via their nefesh, the tiny measure of soul that continues to reside at the place of their burial and it's for this reason that people will go to pray at grave sites the grave sites of relatives the grave sites of of righteous people even many years after their passing because there still is a physical connection through that physical location to the person in this world Alessandra.
2: Are you tired of swiping right
3: on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced
0: that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers?
3: <laughs> Hi, I'm Elisa Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix.
0: And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker.
3: Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits.
0: So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts.
4: Thank you, Rabbi. So, my question is uh, clearly practical. My grandparents passed away in June 75, uh, in a car crash, Mm -hmm. and so almost 50 years, I mean, two years from now, but their loved ones, my father, my uncle, me, uh, a sister, were, were still alive. So you mentioned that they start disconnecting once they're reconnected with their loved ones. In that case, would you, could we imagine that they will keep a connection or they will just be surprised when we get there? Yes. Yes to they'll be surprised or yes to keep a connection?
0: Yes to both.
4: Okay. Okay. So, uh, shall I still go on my grandparents' grave?
0: Absolutely.
4: Okay. Because that's for me. In that case, it's a connection. And for them. And for them. Okay. Because, you know, now I'm going to Tunisia in September, and I was thinking of maybe uh, going to the graves of my ancestors in the Jewish cemetery. It's still there.
0: I think it's a very good idea, and I think you should take pictures also of those graves.
4: Okay.
0: Yes, because those, if you if you don't have pictures of them, they're very good proof of Jewishness. And, oh, and ancestry.
4: Okay, I have pictures of them.
0: Yeah, it's good they, to have in the file just the pictures of Jewish ancestry because it's one of the ways that we can prove. And and you know, looking at them and 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 the gravestones are, are ways that, that we can prove. And okay. of course, if you if you find out there that they there's been something that has been damaged Um, it's a responsibility to, to honor them and to make sure that that's taken care of. So, especially in some of those old, those old cemeteries um, we, we sometimes have to maintain an update to make sure that uh, it's taken care of.
4: Actually, the Jewish community in Tunisia like has, uh, has gathered to let's say re- refurbish like to, to, To give a hand to this cemetery, it's been uh, abandoned for too many years, and they're getting together to uh, try and and make it uh, better. Yeah. Maybe I'll make a donation to that
0: when I'm there. I think think it's a good idea because uh, it's so, so important. And I know there's other cities and other old cemeteries that the Jewish communities in different cities are are, are trying to 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 revive and 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 take care of and maintain and i think it's very important okay thank you jill
1: um so i have two questions um so you said that in those first three days the soul is aware can hear everybody talking is that true only of the people that are physically there with the body or would the soul be able to detect for those of us that are farther away,
0: or is it just I would, there? what I would say is based on my knowledge? Yeah, my, my not knowledge, your
1: experience.
0: Not my experience. <laughs> i right? based on my knowledge. We have to be very careful what we say about the deceased in the first three days.
1: Okay,
5: saying Regardless. anything
0: any saying anything about them will will invite them, and we should be very very careful. Obviously, if we're in the same room as them, for sure. And even not in the same room, even if we're on the other side of the world, we have to be very, very careful, especially those first few days.
1: Wonderful. And my second question, I I think I'm remembering this from one of our long ago classes that the personality is a part of the soul. Yeah. And so you said that soul is still kind of hanging around. Is that that person has whatever characteristics of the personality? Is that piece still there? Yes oh gosh okay <laughs> all right thank that's you. why
0: it's a good idea to to if you don't like a part of your personality change it during your lifetime
4: <laughs> right <laughs>
0: Okay. <laughs> thank you Alessandra again okay
4: yes yes just because I wanted to share that uh, on Shabbat morning there's been the passing of my cousin's father and yes. since you know, know. People- tada and amen and, um, he uh, just to let people know, because we always talk about how in Israel we bury as quickly as we possibly can. Usually, if somebody passes at eight by two, they're, they're in, in the ground. But even on Shabbat, eh, since Shabbat comes out late now, he was buried at 11. So the, the, the earliest opportunity that could call and organize, and he was. Uh, buried. That that's all I wanted to share. It. We
0: we, so. we um we've spoken about this before, but um, in Jewish tradition, we bury as soon as possible because it is so painful. It is so painful for for the for the soul to have to experience um, that that limbo of not being of the body not being buried. I
5: have a
0: question. Any other questions?
6: I have a question. Yeah, me?
7: Uh,
6: so my grandparents' grave is in I'm originally from former Soviet Union. So unfortunately, we're not able to visit them. Haven't been able visit years and years. I do have someone visiting them, not Jewish, but she's gone like once a year to clean up, and I'm paying her all this. So do my grandparents' souls even know, maybe sense that we're thinking about them, we and we can't visit them, and that's the best that we can do.
0: Yes. They do. It's your they are they are your messenger, they are your conduit, they are taking care of it for you since you can't physically be there, but you are the one that's arranging it. And so, absolutely. See, they're in the world of truth. So all these dichotomies of our lives are only because we live in the world of falsehood. But when in the world of truth, everything makes sense. So they're able to differentiate a lot of things that you can't and I can't differentiate.
6: That makes sense. Thank you.
0: And for the question, if the soul ascendi- ascending is aware of its ascendance, absolutely, absolutely, Julian.
8: Thank you. Um, I was wondering a few things. Firstly, the Navua fire—is that connected to Navua prophecy?
0: No, nothing to do. But similar word.
8: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, thank you for explaining. And then the um. The Ari, um, what does saul mean in Ari Zal? What do you mean? Lion. Oh, lion.
0: Yes. Oh, Zal means of Levracha, a blessed memory.
8: Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: I I think Ari, Ari. Just, just to clarify for everybody who's trying to figure out uh, Julian's question. Ari Zao is a mnemonic, ari what means lion. Oh. and Zao is a mnemonic Zion Lamid for Zahrainu, which means a blessed memory.
8: I think that's all I had, but I really had this feeling I'd loads of other ones. It might be um I'll the one about 50. So the, the concept of the soul not needing prayers after the 50 of it having a permanent connection to the spiritual world does that come from the concept of the jubilee because things after 49 50 years they become permanent unless the uh people are let off like economically or to do with slavery
0: at this point in our in our studies we'll call it serendipitous
8: Oh. oh but there might be a deeper explanation which isn't uh what we're going into, but
0: <laughs> hey, let's, um, let's, let's start our, uh, our, our, gold, our golden nuggets. Oh, did, you, was uh, there, did I miss something more
9: please? No, I just had a question. Um, what is the Kabbalist point of view of why the afterlife isn't mentioned in the Torah? I'm curious. Oh,
0: this is an, oh, this is a very, uh, it's not a 30 second answer. But okay. Remind me at some point, actually, I'm going to make a note of it because I will add it to my deep dive here of why the actual afterlife isn't mentioned. Great question. Great, great question. Uh, yeah. Next, uh, is it accurate to say that only parts are a great part of the soul ascending? Uh Yes. It's only parts. There are five levels of the soul and the three lower levels are what ascend. The two upper levels are already there are connection while in our life. We've spoken about this in our deep dive before. Go back to the lesson on the five levels of the soul and you'll, you'll get a whole deep dive on that. Is there any value in discussing the negative aspects of the soul, which was very negative in life? Very, very difficult question. Very difficult question. Um, sometimes yes sometimes no I can't give you a blanket answer on that it's a it's a person by person situation by situation if you need if you have a specific question about a specific person you can ask me privately that's a, a very very complicated question but thank you for that okay Jill since I can see you why don't you start uh, the deep dive sorry deep dive the, the golden nugget <laughs>
1: my golden nugget I I think uh kind of answering my question is my golden nugget if there's parts of my personality that I would like to see not have uh haunting me or anybody else uh, after I die working on that that now so that's my my nugget i guess <laughs> um i'm going to pass it to kelsey you there kelsey or maybe uh Good Alessandra and then Kelsey will come back.
4: Um, golden Nuggets, I'm not sure. Questions? <laughs> Surely. And uh, because of my experiences um, with the um, Whatever thing I'm, I'm, I, I would tend to say that even though the years have passed, even though the bodies have decomposed, um, they 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 keep getting having a connection with us. That's my experience. Um, I, I've I've experienced that character. Jill is very concerned about. Uh, in a shiva, eh, it it it's a very specific experience I've had, and um, and that person seemed in a very good mood, even though eh, he, he was himself, and and that was nice. And 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 I think that we keep connecting, regardless of how many years. There are some touch points where we connect, where they connect. The only thing I'm concerned about is uh being buried in a box because I feel that uh, it obstructs the process. So Rabbi, that you know, uh bottomless um casket you we discussed in the past, make sure you have a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> Even though my my life insurance will cover my transport to 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 my uh, beautiful spot in Israel, I really want it done properly. I'm very concerned at this point. so that's that's my nugget for the day. and uh, is Kelsey back? I am. I'm sorry I
7: couldn't get my audio to turn on. it's the last we do, we need a group rate because I don't want to be buried in a box either. <laughs> Um, so I think we're gonna piggyback on to a little bit of what Jill said, and I'm thinking about what per, uh parts of my personality are really tied to my soul, and what I need to change, and then um also that we live in the world of falsehood. I've been thinking a lot about the truth lately, so um. Let's see.
8: How about Julian? Thank you, Kelsey. Um, I had a, a question and an observation. The question is, although you said or although you implied that prophecy isn't based on fire, is it still connected to the third eye? You mentioned the third eye. Oh, shall, shall I say my observation before yes. you yes. answer? Sure. Yes, it is. Yes, it oh, is. Oh, brilliant. Oh, thank you. Thank you and very much. And the, the observation is that in regard to the question about the negative in life and negative aspects of the soul, I thought it was worth mentioning that when we are doing good, we're kind of connected to God. But when we're doing bad or evil, we're disconnected from God. You could argue that in other ways we're connected to God at all times. But the idea is that the good that we do is kind of accumulated around us as if clothes or garments. But the bad we do, it's almost like it, I don't know if this is literally true, but like it, it removes part of the garment. So we become embarrassed with our, our, our deficiencies are visible for people to see in the spiritual world so every time we have a negative it's a potential a challenge that we could have done good so it's not that things are inherently evil but that it happens to challenge us and if we succeed we turn the negative into a, a positive. But if we fail, it becomes something that counts against us. So good counts for us, but evil counts against us. I just thought it was worth adding, adding that as a, as a thought.
0: Want to pass it on, Julian?
8: Sorry, I got so worried whether I'd done it properly. I completely forgot. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so um, I've just checked the people at the front. Um, is it okay to ask you, Lana? I don't know if you've spoken. I don't think you have. So.
6: Thank you. Um, I, I guess I kind of just resonated with the idea of the spark of infinite lights. Um and I certainly feel that the people that have, you know, died, um, but were very, that I felt very close to, you know, I certainly remember them. And it, it's just kind of odd that we recently lost a very close friend. And um, she just came to me in a dream. And I never remember my dream. So it's kind of funny that we're talking about this, but she she was very present. And I I was sad that she died. Um, But I have to try to just remember that infinite light and spark. So um, it's a good way to remember. I'll pass it to uh, Cheryl. Thank you. Thanks, Alana.
3: I was thinking about you. I was thinking about you and this class and maybe now you're a believer <laughs> after that dream. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I liked learning about the different days. I knew that they had some meaning, but the three days and the seven days and the 30 days and the you're at site day and after. And I can't remember who said it, maybe it was Jenna. It was somebody who said that they pay somebody to take care of the grave. I guess I have a different take on that. I am fortunate enough to live within 20 minutes of where my parents and loved ones are buried. I don't go to the cemetery. I feel like they're not there. And when I need to speak or communicate with the souls of my loved ones, I just do. And I guess hope that they hear me. I mean, at my grandson's bar mitzvah, at my kid's wedding, I knew they were with me and I didn't need to go. I felt, this is me personally, did not feel the need to go to a piece of dirt to communicate with my parents' souls and invite them to these events. So that's personal, but that's how I believe. I am going to pass this on to Edwin. Have you spoken?
5: Uh, thank you. Um, <clears>
8: thank <throat> What comes to mind for me is the importance uh, of cause and effect, especially now in the dying process. Uh, I just feel I need to to pay more attention to cause and effect. Uh, Thanks. Uh, Is uh, Kelsey, has Kelsey spoken?
0: We'll she has spoken. Uh, there's, um, there's mom. There's Jenna. There's Celeste. Jenna, or
7: hello, Rabbi. It was great as always and very interesting. Um, just sparks a lot of questions and makes me think about experiences, and. Specifically, my nugget was being careful of speech, as always, but seems to be very important around this this time as well. Um, and maybe not for now, but to add to the deep dive, I was curious, and maybe you covered it and I just missed it, about the 50-year sort of cap on saying uh, your site would find that interesting. It's, um, a, a, it's a minor.
0: It. It's a minor opinion. I just wanted to clarify that it's a minor okay. opinion, and a lot of people don't follow that. They will still do your site after fifty years. Yeah, I, I. It what? Why I brought it up? Sorry to interrupt you, but what, Why I brought it up is because I think it's such an important, um, conversation with regards to the fact that we do believe that eventually the soul does completely depart from this world doesn't stay connected to it. What that age is and what that stage is and what the physical time period is, is impossible for us to know because we are connected to time and space, whereas the upper two levels of the soul, which are the eternal soul, they're not connected to time and space. So time and space is meaningless to it, essentially. But just to to clarify that, I mean, please pass it on.
2: Celeste? Hello. Good morning. Sorry I was late today. My nugget uh, is definitely, <clears throat> I re- I really appreciated the story about the Ari. So I'm going to be looking in a little deeper. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and then I I have a, a very practical question. Um, I think I've discussed it with many people here that my father passed away uh, in December of last year. And through a series of strange circumstances regarding other religions, I'm receiving a bone in the mail. Sometimes life is so strange. I, I, <laughs> anyway, I'm receiving a bone in the mail and I'm curious if there's a Tehillim I could say, or something from the blue sitter. I'm planning on having a burial for him in my, in the mountains on my property. So I'm just curious. It, is there a prayer that I could say that fitting for this sort of bizarre situation? Uh, thank you. And then I will pass it on to Diana. Um, if maybe Rob, if you have an answer for that.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll answer it a different time. Uh, not, not publicly. Diana.
7: um, Hi. Thank you. (laughs) It's only my second time here. So I have a question about uh, reincarnation and or the soul returning. And um, so I guess that's for another class or maybe. (laughs) Anyway, um, and I just, um, you know, personally, I'll spare you the details, but (laughs) I had an experience when my father died in the hospital of uh, his coming to me, and I didn't realize, you know, what was, you know, why exactly in the middle of the night I got up and got dressed, thinking, you know, I'll be ready when I hear that my father died. And then the hospital called me and told me he passed away. So um, I really felt it. you know that was a connection that that uh that we had and that he had he, he had basically come to say you know get dressed and sort of so you'll be <laughs> you'll be you know you'll be uh in a proper you know way to hear that I've left here. So thank you.
0: Welcome. thank you and thank you for joining us. Ma'or
9: guess uh oh i have a lot of questions i find this a very um comp- obviously very um difficult and hard to grasp subject matter um when you were describing the soul is hearing you know i wonder if the soul is this is not necessarily our consciousness, like our awareness, our sense, you know, our six senses. Um, I was just wondering whether it's a part of that or not. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I'm also thinking, you know, with the when you approach the speed of light, uh, mass inertia, inertia becomes infinite. Uh, I found that concept that beyond the speed of light, which, uh, again, we can't observe in the universe, in, in the scientific realm, um, it it becomes uh, an interesting, at least, you know, analysis to say maybe our souls go... To that other world that we're not observing, I, maybe I understood you. Maybe I didn't. I was, I was definitely having a hard time grasping all the concepts. So probably because I just don't know enough about this topic. It's a very difficult. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I would, I would encourage you if you haven't had a chance to go back to the previous classes because I a lot of this that you're talking about, I explained. Uh, I think this is class forty-three in this deep dive. Right. So a lot of this I explained, but it's fine. I mean, it's it's if you have if you don't have a chance, then things may may become clearer. But uh, I would encourage that if you have a minute or forty-three hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, mom. I think you're uh, you're the final one for today.
2: Don't forget to unmute, Mom.
5: I was just going to say it's unfortunate I'm going last. Um, But thank you, Rabbi, because as usual, thanks to my daughter and these wonderful classes, um, it's like everyone now wanting the open box when we're very, very simple box, because every time I come here, it's a box of infinite questions and about trying to understand um, these things. But I always have a lot more questions and I will go back for 43 hours eventually to listen to everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I just, this, it's a different kind of nugget, but I felt some sadness because um, as probably for all of us, Um, We have many, many relatives that were in Europe um, in World War II, and they had to go to camps, and we really never heard from them again. And I think of them and how they were buried, and um, I feel a sadness with that because I don't understand – if we can do anything for all our relatives, what we should do, what we should have done. Uh, but it's a question because I've always felt very connected to my families who stayed in Europe for many, 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 almost all my life. So I I've, I've felt just this connection, nothing that I've um, really put a lot of attention on. Um, but it's been there. These threads, little bit, threads, to all my family. So that's that's what I'm that's what I'm feeling now. And and, and thank you because I think it's good for me to have um, with knowledge more questions.
0: <laughs> with regards to your family and and the war. There's a lot of different traditions that follow that. If you know where they were last, then there's people who will mark. There's there, A lot of those places are already marked, but they'll mark those places for them. If not, then uh, a lot of people will just, uh, if you don't know what day they passed away, you just mark a day. You say this is the day they passed away and you honor it and respect it and do the york site every year for them. And what I will say is because the scope and what our families went through is beyond anyone's comprehension. I believe Hashem, God buried them. And God, all these rituals that we're talking about that we do for our loved ones, Hashem did for them.
5: That's comforting.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you, thank everyone. You. Thank you, everyone. Did I miss anyone? I don't think I missed anyone. I wanted, did, any, did anyone? Edwin, did you want to say something? I think you did, right? Okay. I think everyone everyone said something. And thank you, everyone, for being here and for for being with me through this very difficult topic. I think uh, this is the th- this particular part of our class is is finished. And next week we're going to do uh, a dive into uh, reincarnation. That's going to be our, our, our conversation next week. So looking forward to next week. And, Thank uh, you, Rabbi.
3: Thank have a great, you. For
0: those of you staying for Tomwood, we we'll are starting in one minute. If you're okay. not, have a wonderful week. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is